0: Good morning and welcome to the Blue Ridge Church. This is great. Uh, it's great to see the, the place filling out. Campus, uh, campus coming back, JMU, PVCC, UVA. Is that it? That's it, right? Uh, awesome. Uh, so welcome uh, to service this morning. It's been great so far. Always love seeing our... There we go. Great. Thanks, Stephen. Uh, great uh, always to see our brother Edwin Baldelamar from Hawaii. Edwin comes out for a, little, a couple times a year and does work uh, with MRI research, that's all I know, and he explains it to me like four times, I don't, I don't get it, <laughs> MRI something, but uh, I think Edwin will be out here for a longer stint in, in March, so uh, we always love seeing our brother Edwin, uh, welcome to the Grubs, I know uh, Ryan's been here for a few weeks and his family is uh, en route uh, over the next several months and so we're excited to have them there already, uh, it's just so encouraging to to meet them, make new friends, and so welcome to the Grubs. I know we have other folks visiting, coming in, I don't want to miss anybody, um, but, but if you're visiting, welcome, uh, welcome this morning. Uh, so this year, we've uh, began with our theme of transformation by the Spirit, transformation by the Spirit, and so far we've looked at a couple different uh, aspects of that theme, uh, predominantly who is the Spirit, that's a, a, a question in itself that has quite an extensive answer, And then uh, transformation. And last week we talked about the gospel. What is the gospel? Is the gospel really, did Paul really go throughout uh, the Mediterranean, Asia, and Europe? Just knocking on doors saying, hey, the gospel is just believe and you don't have to go to hell. Like, is that really the gospel or is it something quite a bit more than that? And we talked about how for, for Paul, for Christ, for anyone in the New Testament, the gospel is transformation. That at your conversion, your biblical conversion... Uh, God sets in motion with the forces, primarily the Spirit, to begin a work in you that will be churning the rest of your life. If you allow it, if you listen to the Spirit, if you deny yourself uh, and listen to the, to the Spirit, you will throughout the rest of your life be transformed more and more and more and more into the likeness of Christ. That's the gospel, and that's what drove Paul. That's what, that's what drove all these men to, event, to eventually, all of them but one really, in the apostles, to die a martyr's death. Uh, to that, driven by that good news, and it is good news, Amen. Amen. And so it's cool. And today we're going to talk a little bit about misconceptions of the Holy Spirit. Before we can talk about who the Spirit really is and 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 what the, what what role the Spirit plays, I think it probably is best that we talk about who the Spirit is not, uh, who the Spirit is not. Um, and and there's a, there's a lot there's a lot out there on the Holy Spirit. And um, so I wanted to before we jump into the to the the lesson, I just wanted to give a little bit of background, a survey. A, sur- a biblical survey is going to, we're going to do it in, a sh- in one shot here. Um, but we want to be able, and this, it's so, it's so encouraging and exciting, and for all of us, this is this is our story as well, that we're able to build convictions based on the clarity of the Holy Scriptures, ba- build convictions based on the Bible and, and not on a feeling. And as prevalent as it can be to build uh, your conversion on a feeling to build these things. You know, God can work in any, any, any number of which ways. God's all-powerful, but uh, our feelings change. Yeah. Our feelings change, and so we want to be able to, to pit the clarity of the Word of God versus a feeling. Right. And I think so many times we can have these feelings of, I felt guilty, or I, I felt God's presence, or what did you feel? So we want to talk about, okay, amen, our feelings can be all over the place, but we need the Bible to help us discern our feelings, as Hebrews four Hebrews four twelve says, the word of God judges the thoughts and attitudes of our heart. So that's what the word's role is, the word's job, and the word is Christ. Christ's job was to come to actually help us have a rubric for what's going on in our heart uh, to judge those thoughts and actions. Some of the uh, misconceptions there there are many. Um, there's a lot. You know, miracles are miracles to just happen in the Bible or do they happen still today? The indwelling of the Holy Spirit versus the outpouring of the Holy Spirit healings, the healing still happens today, uh, the, the warm fuzzy feeling, right, of I felt the spirit um, right now, I felt, I felt him work in me, and it's, it's kind of described as this warm internal fuzzy feeling, tongues and languages, can people speak in tongues today, uh, can, is, is it supposed to happen, is it a sign of salvation or not, what's going on with the, with the tongues and languages, laying on of hands, in the, in the Bible, uh, in the New Testament, the apostles lay their hands on people, uh, does that happen today, is it supposed to happen today? And then the idea there of exceptional versus normative, the idea of just because something happens in the Bible doesn't mean we're supposed to do it. Uh, there's a great passage in 1 Timothy um, 6 or 5, I can't think it might be 5, where Paul calls Timothy and tells him, hey, please bring me my scrolls and parchments. None of us are thinking, you know what, I got to go bring Paul his scrolls and parchments because the Bible says so. We go, no, that's not written to me, that's written to Timothy. And so we realize that's, that's exceptional, not normative. It's not something that we're all supposed to go do. So sometimes we read the Bible and go, well, I have to go do this. But sometimes it is just for the church in Colossae or the church in Corinth or the church in Ephesus or the church in Athens or the church in Rome. Um, and so we want to be able to, with, with, with humility and surrender, praise God for the grubs there prepping our hearts, with surrender to give up and say, okay, what does the Bible say? Yeah. We're all bringing in years of, of emotional uh, Baggage, uh, right? Of all these things, of that can never happen because I had a bad experience, or that, that did happen because I did have a good experience. Or we, we bring in all this, but let's, I want to encourage us today what does the Bible say about the Holy Spirit? And let's be clear on who the Spirit is not before we can really begin to allow ourselves to be transformed by the Holy Spirit and what He really is supposed to do and can do in our lives. Um, so here's a timeline the hair of 3000 BC to 150 AD. And you can see the, the giant cross there, that's that's where that's Jesus, right? That's 33 AD, that's when Jesus dies, pretty much. And in a ton of times in the Old Testament, like a ton of times, we see the outpouring of the Spirit. You ever read the Old Testament and it says the, sport, the Spirit came upon him, or the Spirit came upon her? Uh, or the Spirit, It happens all the time. The Spirit comes upon. Uh, it, happens, it happens to Balaam, who, by the way, is a donkey. Um, there in, in Numbers 24 happens to Joshua in Numbers 27 happens to Gideon in Judges 6 happens to Jephthah in Judges 11 happens to Samson in Judges 13 happens to King David. I'm just going to run through Zechariah Daniel Zacharias in the New Testament. This is before Jesus. Zechariah happens to him. Happens to Elizabeth there in the in the uh, Old Testament. And so and then Simeon again in, in the New Testament in Luke 2. So, and this is this is not even all of the um, examples, but this is just a, some of the examples. And all these passages in the Bible talk about the Holy Spirit came upon him in power. Some of these are not great people, um, King Saul, right? Who who is is a kind of a case study for pride and arrogance and insecurity, um, and really choosing choosing. You know, he had the Holy Spirit come upon him. So, just this is just this is just what the Bible says. So far, okay, the Holy Spirit has come upon these folks. Whether it's a believer, a non-believer, a man, a woman, or an animal, the Holy Spirit has come upon them. But beginning at 33 AD, a little bit of time after, we see a new type of manifestation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, go over to uh, John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, it's actually quite interesting because right before this, um, John seven thirty seven. Right before this, Jesus' brothers are begging him to go to the Feast of Tabernacles and they say, you know what, you should go to the feast so you can show everyone your miracles and if you show them your miracles, then you'll gain a, that prominent following that you want so bad um, You know, it's kind of what they say, right? And uh, Jesus, by the way, was not the only person to perform miracles in the first century A lot of people perform miracles um, in the first century um, and Jesus is often reluctant to perform miracles um, in the first century He does perform them Amen? There's, there's, I want to give you know, credence to that. He does perform them, and he does say, hey, believe on the evidence of the miracles, uh, for sure. John seven thirty seven though, this is a crucial passage in our understanding of who the Holy Spirit is. In verse 37, uh, the Holy, Holy Spirit, uh, through John, writes, Now on the last day, the great day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Jesus stood up and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, the scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So this is a passage. So before this, Jesus has done miracles. The apostles have done miracles. We've seen a lot of awesome things. Jesus just fed the 5,000, right? But Jesus says, listen, the Holy Spirit has not yet been given. So even though we've seen all of this blue stuff, the outpouring, you've seen all these amazing things happen, then amen, but that's not God's plan in regard to you and salvation for the Holy Spirit. None of these occurrences are occurrences of salvation, obviously, right? Um, King Saul, obviously, we see his life after after that, I mean, no way. Even during, uh, we can see all these people. It's not conversion experiences. This is—it was never meant to be, but it's actually supposed to make us even more excited. Because if we look at the outpouring of the Spirit, and we hear, we see the Spirit is poured out on people, and then we we see in Acts two that we can receive the indwelling of the Spirit. And how does Jesus characterize it? Like streams of living water. It's no longer going to be happening here and there sort of at random, it's going to be inside. It's going to be internal. And Acts, Acts 2 and John 3, Jesus, Jesus talks about that in John and then Peter in Acts 2. But it's supposed to build this amazing excitement. Wait, you're telling me, and the Spirit, by the way, in Greek just means breath. It's the breath of God. It's this idea of God's breath, God's power, God's influence. So if the Spirit came upon somebody, it was like, man, God really gave them influence. He gave them power. He, he, he empowered them. And, and by the way, that can still happen Today, it could happen at any moment in this room that you could be filled with the Spirit, that you could the Spirit could come upon you. Um, but it's totally different than the idea of salvation, the idea of the, receiving the indwelling, the promise of the Holy Spirit that we see very clearly in Acts two, almost too clearly in Acts two, like suspiciously clearly in Acts two. Like you, like hey, how do we get saved in Acts two? Oh, um, repent to be baptized. Uh, this is oh, but what's it for? Okay, the forgiveness of sins. What do you get? The Holy Spirit. Um, is this promise just for us? Oh no, by the way, it's, it's the promise is for you, your children, and all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. It's like completely, it's like, wait, what? That's really suspiciously clear for a passage in the Bible of like, okay, what's happening? What is salvation? What are we receiving? And who's it for? All of those insecurities are dealt with there in Acts chapter two thirty-eight. Here you go. Here it is. And so we can see that, and it should really produce in us an excitement of, oh my goodness, sure, any, any one of us could... You know the spirit could come upon us, and we could do something rather m- miraculous, but it it 's not ever supposed to be intended by God. It was never supposed to be intended to be anything about salvation or conversion there 's something else missing that we 're going to look at later that 's crucial to conversion, crucial to salvation as Jesus intends it and there 's a lot here and, and if you have uh, curiosities on it, there 's a lot of great books about about these things, but the bottom line is is those two things that sure. We don't, we don't want to focus on, well, I, the Holy Spirit came upon me, therefore I'm saved. I know a lot of people, amen. You know, you, it is what it is. I have experiences in my life that are very transformative experiences. We all have transformative experiences in our life, and perhaps those led us to God, for sure. But, but it was never intended scripturally to be like your conversion moment. There's something else missing, and we're going to talk about that one thing here in a second. Uh, by the way, this is just a, a, a Augustine in 30, 354 A.D. That's actually when he's born. But in that time, Augustine's a church leader, and he says this, In the earliest times, this is like a couple hundred years ago, right? In the earliest times, the Holy Spirit fell on those who believed, and they spoke in languages which they had not learned as the Spirit enabled them. These were signs adapted to the times, for there had to be that sign of the Holy Spirit for all, of all languages to show that the gospel of God was to spread in all languages throughout the whole world. That was done as a sign, and it passed away. And so you have a church father 1,700 years ago saying these, these things are, are no longer happening. But we have rec- records of them in the Bible. That's what John tells us in John 20. Jesus performed many other miraculous signs. In fact, if we recorded them, the, all the books of the world couldn't fill them. But these were recorded so that you may believe. The m- miracles happened. They've been recorded so that we may believe. And you, you may remember, too, uh, the rich man and Lazarus, when the rich man says, Lord, just let me go tell my brothers to repent. And what does Moses say? You know, he says, hey, I'm uh, sorry, Abraham, rather. Abraham says, if, he, if your brothers don't listen to Moses and the prophets, they won't listen even if a man rises from the dead. And so it's this idea of, okay, miracles are awesome, but they're not what produce in us change. Uh, a lot of people believed in the miracles of Jesus, and the second he dropped a hard teaching, they left. A lot of people appreciated feeding the 5,000, but when Jesus said, eat my flesh, drink my blood, and they were like, what in the world does that mean? They leave in John 6. They abandon. All the time, people who are like pumped about Christ because of the miracles leave because of a hard teaching. And so we don't want to be people who have a faith that appears for a little while and then disappears. We want to be able to have convictions that last. We want to be able to be people that, that die Christians, not just are Christians for a few years. And then quickly, quickly fall away. That's the intro. Welcome. Uh, That being said, this is a picture. Uh, Jenny and I went to uh, Israel. Uh, I'm not completely changing gears. I just wanted to provide that for background. This is a picture of, uh, of a certain body of water in Israel. Maybe you can guess in your head. But this is a picture of a certain body of water in Israel, and this is that same body of water there, and then here's another one, right? They don't look super different, but they are. This first one's the Dead Sea. Uh, the Dead Sea has 10 times the salt in it of the ocean in terms of uh, per square cubic meter. Uh, you can float in the Dead Sea because your body's less dense than the water, uh, which is crazy. But you can float. And it's the, the, the Dead Sea is just salt. It's salt. And as you can imagine, at the Dead Sea, people go as tourists, but. Uh, no, nothing, nothing lives in the Dead Sea. No, no animals live in the Dead Sea. In fact, we were there. We went to go float in the Dead Sea, which was, I, I, I didn't like it at all. Um, and uh, we went to go float in the Dead Sea. And they're like, all right, well, make sure the water doesn't get in any cuts. Make sure it doesn't get in your eyes. I'm like, what? Why are we going in? Um, so, but yeah, every cut, every opening on your body begins to burn and hurt because the, the salt... Uh, Jenny got her uh, salt in her eyes, and I just hear Drew, Drew, uh, and and I had to I had to you know rescue, um, rescue her. It was pretty awesome, uh, Dead Sea rescue, um, because it really I mean you can't see because it gets in your eyes and you can't see. Uh, but but I mean the, the Dead Sea is is dead. Our tour guide told us that if you try try to go across the red uh, the Dead Sea not the Red Sea the Dead Sea in a raft or anything made of wood that the, the salt would eat at the wood, and the, it, would, it would break apart by the time you got across. Um, and so it is dead, the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea, and then this is the Sea of Galilee, uh, which is the opposite. The, dead, the Sea of Galilee has all types of fish, all types of life. There's people who live around it. They, they live there. I just you know Jesus set up shop there. The apostles were there. Uh, people fish there. People have fun there. There's like, it's like life. It's like life and death. And they're not separated by very much, but they are separated by something called the Jordan River. The Sea of Galilee flows, it's fresh water, and it flows down the Jordan, and the Jordan goes into the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea is what's called the terminus point. The Dead Sea does not flow anywhere. All the water just stays there in the Dead Sea. And the point that is made is that when Jesus says, living water, there in John 7, he said, living water is a Hebrew term for water that moves. If water is moving, it's safe to drink. If water is moving, it has life in it. It's, it's, it's not stagnant water. Uh, and you can drink it, uh, and it's fresh, and it will actually benefit you. Streams of living water is what Jesus is driving at here. And for anybody who heard that, they would have said, they would have thought of Galilee, and they would have thought of Jordan, the Jordan River. Those things are good. Those things are moving. Those things have life and and they can they give life they cultivate life but if it, but the dead sea is nothing and the point that is made is that if we as christians are not active if we are not moving if we are not listening to the spirit who calls us to be streams of living water then we are dying spiritually we are dying spiritually and this is as we see the main purpose of the holy spirit we've talked about it before if you, if, we, if you haven't been with us the past month or so, but Romans chapter 8, verse 14, please write it down, the Spirit is given to us in Romans 8:14, to help us in our weakness, to come alongside us, to help us in our weakness, to help us pray, to testify to us that we are indeed God's family, which is a big, I think, a uh, hurdle for a lot of us, but the, the Spirit's job is to testify to you that you are actually adopted into the family, that you are your brothers or sister with Christ, that you have an inheritance, that you are sealed. That's part of the Holy Spirit's job. It's just to remind you, right? And we've also looked on Wednesday about how the Spirit and God and Jesus are all very similar in the Trinity. They're very similar. And the more we know about Jesus, the more we know about what he would say and do, the more we know about what the Spirit would have us do. Because the Spirit can never call us to do or say or think what Jesus would never call us to do or say or think. Never. They're, 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 They're one, right? Christ says, I'm, I'm dying so the Spirit can come to you. But Jesus says, listen, this is the role of the Holy Spirit, so that you can have in you this, this indwelling. No longer is it kind of indiscriminately given. You will have, yes, you, you Gentile, you Samaritan, uh, you in this time, you woman, you, uh, you know, homeless person, you rich person, uh, you people who are at war with each other. You all will have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God, in a time of such division in the world, Inauguration Day was Friday. Yesterday there were some, some marches, you know, and, and it seems like, you know, people may, may say it or not, but there's, people have very strong feelings. Yeah. Uh, they're very divided. And what do people really want? What do people really desire? They don't desire this, you know, I, I think miracles are awesome, amen, but they don't desire a miracle. They desire love. Wow. Love is what changes people. Love is what cha- helped me become a disciple when a guy named Nick Anderson sat down with me at every Tuesday morning at a Starbucks at 6.30 before middle school, by the way. Uh, I didn't really, wasn't super excited about it at the time. But that, it was actually Nick's, the, Nick sh- showing love to me that helped change my life, my life heading in the radically opposite direction from God. It was love. It was the love that, that, that steered me back. That's what changes us. Think about any moment in your life. It's love. It's heart-to-heart connections. And we're given a spirit of intimacy. In Romans 8, the Holy Spirit is given to us so that we can say what to God? We can call God Father. You can call the king of the universe Dad. You can call the king of the universe the God of however many, we don't even know, however many galaxies are out there. I struggle to understand, like, how fire works and, like, how television works still. And God understands everything. It has to do with just Charlottesville, let alone the world and the universe. That God you can call Father. You can call Dad. We're given a spirit to help us in our weakness, and our weakness is not that we need more miracles. Our weakness is that we don't love. Our weakness is that we are insecure. Our weakness is that we are fearful. Our weakness is that we get comfortable, and we do what we want, how we want it, and we get stuck in this cycle of self for our entire life. And we become just like the Dead Sea, if we're not moving. If you're not active, if you're not listening to the Spirit, you are dying. You know, get busy living or get busy dying. Right? That's how it is. We we gotta be like the sea. We gotta be moving. We gotta be doing things. Hop over to to Luke. The title of my lesson, by the way, is Streams of Living Water. Luke chapter eleven. Jesus knows this, right? He knows this when guys come up to him begging to, hey, do this or do that, or they want to see a miracle or do another trick. You know, Jesus feels that, and it really hurts him because he's there for a reason, and everyone's missing it. Jesus didn't come down to feed the 5,000. Jesus did not come down to turn water into wine. He did those things, and amen for them because they, they can help us know, okay, this guy's of God. And it's crucial, by the way, for a prophet to perform miracles so that people know, okay, he's of God. But you got to know Jesus is hurting here. And in Luke eleven verse twenty nine says, as the crowds were increasing, he began to say, "This generation is a wicked generation; it seeks for a sign, yet no sign will be given it, given to it, but the sign of Jonah." So they're asking for miracles. He says, "You want a miracle?" But no, wicked in generation looks for miracles. Verse thirty. For just as Jonah became the sign to the Ninevites, so the Son of Man will be to this generation. The Queen of the South will rise up with the men of this generation at the judgment and condemn them, because she came from the ends of the earth to hear the wisdom of Solomon. And behold, something greater than Solomon is here. He's feeling it, you know. He's feeling it. Verse 32, the men of Nineveh will stand up with this generation at the judgment and condemn it. Because they repented at the preaching of Jonah, and behold, something greater than Jonah is here. Jesus is begging them. You guys are looking for miracles. You're looking for signs. You want to say, man, because, oh, man, because uh, this or that, this person happened to wear red, you know, all that means that God wants me to, to be their friend. We, I mean, amen. You know, those can be harmless at times. But Jesus says, don't look for, don't look for signs. You know, let me tell you a story. Jesus goes, you remember Jonah? Jonah did not want to preach to the Ninevites. Ninevites are bad people. They're enemies. Jonah's like, I'm not preaching to them. It'd be like if if God said, hey, I want you to go to Iraq and preach to the the Iraqis. He'd be like, I'm not excited about that. Um, So Jonah doesn't want to go preach, right? But he does. He goes and preaches, and what do they do? They repent. Jonah did not perform a miracle. Jonah preached. And the godless enemies of the Israelites repented. The queen of the south She's from Saudi Arabia in First Kings. She travels to go see uh, Saul. No, sorry, Saul Solomon. She goes to see Solomon, right? And what does she do? She hears his wisdom. And she sees his relationship with God. She repents. She 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 becomes a believer. She essentially becomes a Jew at that point, and she leaves. Jesus says, "Those two people were not the, the, the Queen of the South and the Ninevites were not given signs. They were preached to. The word of God was shared with them." They repented, and they're going to stand and judge you because they repented, and you won't. You won't. You know the scriptures. You go to temple. You perform the sacrifices. You give contribution. You do all these things, but you know what? You have not repented, and you know what? You guys got a better sign than Jonah. You guys are getting a better sign than Solomon, What's he saying? Come on, guys. You got me. What in the world? I'm here for you. I came to die for you, and you want a miracle. I came to lay down my life as a ransom for many. I came to stare into the depths of hell and suffer the omnipotent wrath of God so that you might not have to. I love you. I'm here because I love you, and you can't see it You can't get it, and Jesus has not stopped loving us from that moment till today. Jesus still feels the same way about you. He still does, even if we're obstinate at times, and a lot of us are. I am at times. Jesus goes, you know what? And You know what's going to be better than me? I'm going to give you something. When you decide to repent and be baptized, I'm talking about real repentance. I'm talking about real baptism. Now, there's a lot of different, you know, conceptions on what that is, but... I'm talking about real, true, life-changing, radical, deny yourself, carry your cross, hate your mother, hate your father, repentance. When you really repent, you really get baptized, Jesus says, I'm going to give you exactly what you need. I'm going to give you the spirit who will remind you you're adopted, he'll help you pray, and he'll help you love. Second Timothy 1 7 says, We were not given a spirit of, of timidity. That's 2 Timothy 1.7, not given a spirit of timidity, but of power, love, and self-discipline. We're given a spirit of love, and I need that because I appreciate what was shared today. You come into a group like this, my, I feel insecure. I don't want to reach out. Or maybe someone, you know, I don't, I don't want to. I, maybe I called someone, they didn't call me back. I don't want to bring that up. It might be awkward, or maybe this person doesn't like me, or, you know, what if, what if this doesn't go well? And I pull back, and church... There are people dying spiritually in this room because you will not listen to the Spirit and love them. Stop listening to yourself. Stop listening to yourself. It's easy to play the game and look good. I understand. It's easy to, to, to do all the right things. It's difficult to listen to the Spirit. I was sharing with one of the sisters that it's... I had a resolution last week to go on my prayer walk around my neighborhood, around... 4 p.m. that's we when 5 p.m. that's when people get home from work, and I did it so that I could meet people. And I am, am not by nature a very friendly person. I probably had not had I not been a Christian. I would have lived in New York, tried to make as much money as I could, and not talk to anybody. That would have been the self I desired for me. Right? That would have been Drew. I don't want. I'm not. I'm not good at talking about. I'm not good at being friendly. Uh, some of you know that. Uh, I'm not. I'm not. It's not my. It's not my my natural disposition. But you know it was? It was, you know what? I'm going to listen to the Spirit. And was it hard? Was it awkward at times? You bet it was. You bet it was. But we're here because the Spirit's been given us to help us in our weakness. Yeah. To help you in your weakness. There are people that you've been set up to disciple that you have not reached out to. For months. Weeks. There are people in this church who you don't know, but they're hurting. They got. They barely got here this morning. They're hurting. And... Are you thinking about them? Are you thinking, man, I want to be like Christ. And even though they may not understand everything about me, I'm going to love them. And even though at times I could be frustrated, I'm going to be like Christ and say, hey, I'm going to love you no matter what gets in the way. And that's what streams of living water is, is the fact that you're able to discern, you're able to see what would Jesus do and how can I submit myself to that? We're not perfect. We're not all going to be right all the time. But this is exciting because this is this is something that we can never conquer. I mean, amen. The goal is a year from now, we are all looking like a little bit more like Christ than we are today. Right? That's the goal. And we will if we listen to the Spirit. No problem at all, right? Some people tell me, like, hey, Drew, you're so evangelistic. And I'm like, that is 14 years of of, of my pride being punched in the face by people. Really, that's not... Uh, And I'm not—I don't—I don't don't actually consider myself quite good at it. Or you know, people say you're friendly. Well, guys, Christ—the best thing about all of us is that we have Christ. Jesus is what this is all about. It's about the streams of living water. We don't want to be a dead sea. You may look alive in the picture. Hey, they look alive, but deep deep down, if you dig, there's nothing going on in there. There's there's no—they're not—they haven't been in a Bible study. They haven't been having quiet times. They don't come out to church. Meetings of the body because it's inconvenient. They don't. They're, they're dying. They don't reach out to people. They don't. They don't. They don't pray. They don't wrestle in prayer. They don't serve the poor. You know. And guys, it's. We, I don't want to be there. That. That's scary to me. I don't want to be the Dead Sea. I don't want to be like I was like I don't want to go. I, when I, we went when we were touring. I'm like I don't want to go there. And when I left, I was like I got to go shower because everything is hurting right now. It's painful. <laughs> It's painful for me to be in that. I don't want to ever, if I go back, I'm going to be on the beach in my chair, and I'm going to, everyone else can go in. I'm not going into the Dead Sea. I don't want to be that person, the person who looks alive but is really dead. And all it means, it's easy. It's easy, it's easy, it's easy. All we have to do is start, start the conversation. Reach out. Hey, this is what I want to do, but what do you think the Holy Spirit would want me to do? Go to the Bible. This is what I want to do. What does the Scripture want me to do? Go to prayer. This is what I want to do. What does God want me to do? And if we can go to God, go to each other, and go to scriptures and prayer, then it's all going to be fine. The humble man has nothing to fear. The humble woman has nothing to fear. And let's not get caught up in all of the, uh, you know, not get caught up in all the aesthetics of it. Amen. A church is people. The church is not the building or the church is not the lights or the music. And those things are are cool. Are we a church? That where the Holy Spirit of God is alive and working? Can God look down and say, that's my church. That's my church in Charlottesville. They're alive. They're streams of living water. They love, they love too much. They love like Christ. They love like my son. They love like me. They're going for it. They're, 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 I, it doesn't matter, uh, all these aesthetics, right? We're together. If we are in love with the Spirit and in love with each other, what can God do? What can God do? And that's what hurt, hurts Christ so much There is That's what he's saying in Luke 11. That's what he's saying. Guys, you've got to repent. You've got to change, and you've got to transform. But Christ knows that we can't do it on our own. That's why he gives us the primary agent, which is the Holy Spirit, who is the Holy Spirit. And we're going to learn more and more about that as we go along. But I want to encourage you today, if you are not a disciple, and, and I mean you know you're a disciple. I know a lot of times it's like, well, I don't know. I feel like I could be a Christian, but I'm not sure. I was sprinkled as a baby, and then I was confirmed at 11, and then I had this feeling at 15, and then at 20, I uh, uh, repented. I don't know. Look at the Bible. Is, is, your, is your conversion biblical? Would God think you're a Christian? Would God think you're a disciple? It doesn't matter. We could feel, I could feel like, man, I'm the bomb. I'm Drew. I'm, I'm awesome. Then I get to heaven. If God does not share that opinion, my, my mind does not sway him. It matters what God thinks. And so we want to get in Bible studies. We want to talk about the truth. We want to wrestle because we all want to see each other there. Yeah. We all want to be there in heaven together. We want to begin the blessings now on earth to see the blessings of heaven now as the kingdom of God approaches. And it only happens, church, if we, if we strive to listen, strive to funnel, to utilize those streams of living water. That Christ says, this is what it's all about. And church, it's, it's, the game's over. over. God's one. The question is, is, do you want to surrender? Do you want to let God, uh, you want to live out God's plan or your plan? Is this Christian thing just because it's convenient now? Uh, is this Christian thing just because you like some of the people? Is this Christian thing just because you feel guilty? Or is it because you want to lay down your life for your Lord and Savior, who loved you, saw your heart to the depths, and loved you to the skies? Does that matter at all? And Christ is here the whole time. The Spirit's here the whole time saying, a sign greater than Jonah is here. And church, let me say it to, to you. A sign greater than the Queen of the South is here. We have Jesus. We have the greatest sign there is. We have the cross. We have the greatest miracle there is, the resurrection. We have the greatest interceder, the greatest advocate, the greatest defender, the greatest helper. We have the greatest friend in Christ. And nothing not, not world, or angels, or demons, or heights, nor depths can stand in our way if we simply, if we simply lay down our arms and in our hearts truly let Christ be Lord. Yeah, come on and I want to encourage this church. I'm proud of a lot of people in this room are very loving. doing a lot of things, but let's let's all strive to be like Christ. Let's all strive in this way. If you're not a Christian today, this doesn't apply to you. It's not far. If you've not chosen to become a disciple, you do not have the Holy Spirit. If you've not repented and been baptized, you do not have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Amen. It's there for you. Paul says it's not far from each one of us. All God hopes for is that you reach out and grab it. It's been prepared. The gift's been wrapped. Christmas is set. Dinner's made. All you got to do is show up. God's done all the work. All God wants now is you to love Him back a little bit of the way He's loved you. Church, let's be. Let's be in love with these streams of living water. Let's love each other and let's let's strive to not be the dead sea but rather be living water that's teeming with life and to God be the glory. Amen.